Welcome to the New York Now podcast, a modern wholesale market for retailers and specialty buyers seeking diversity and discovery. Gathering twice a year in America's design capital, New York City, it's where buyers and designers unearth a refreshed and dedicated collection of eclectic lifestyle products. Today, we're talking with Beth Diana Smith. After more than a decade in accounting and finance at companies like Viacom and Johnson & Johnson, Beth Diana Smith left the corporate world to launch her own interior design firm. Her eye for aesthetics paired with her project management experience culminates in a truly unique approach to design. Her signature style is modern and eclectic with luxurious finishes and custom burnishings. Each vignette is a functioning art installation in its own right. Above all, her work is client-centric and she helps each homeowner hone in on their own style and create a space that inspires them and enhances their lifestyle. Beth's goal for each project is to elevate the lives of her clients by first elevating their daily environment. Beth holds an MBA and degree from New York School of Interior Design. She's a member of the Black Artists and Designer Guild, the House Beautiful Advisory Council, and the New York School of Interior Design Task Force on Diversity. Beth's work and design advice has been featured on TV and in various print and online publications, including NBC, HGTV, Vogue.com, Ebony, Design Sponge, and the New York Times. Hi, Beth. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So before we dive in, You have a relationship with New York Now. You are one of several who were hand-selected to represent the Black Artist Designers Guild to create one of our Transcend spaces on the show floor during the summer market in 2019. How was that experience for you? Oh, wow. That was a bit of a whirlwind. I teamed up with Kayanda Powell, who is a Washington, D.C.-based designer. And the fact that we decided to create a, an actual house almost inside of the Javits Center for New York now was an, a very aggressive undertaking. <laughs> <laughs> but we absolutely loved how it came out. So no complaints. <laughs> well, I have to say it was one of my favorites. So I have no complaints either, but I wasn't behind the scenes. I just got to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. A lot happened behind the scenes. We do know that a lot happens behind the scenes. Absolutely. We're going to get into your amazing style shortly. But before we go there, you were originally in corporate America in finance and accounting. So take us through how you went from there to interior design. Oh, wow. I am such a process-driven person, and I've always kind of just loved numbers. I always knew that I wanted to be an accountant. I know that sounds strange, Um, but I always kind of felt that way, even in elementary school. And then in middle school, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. Then by the time high school came, I was like, no, I think I'm going to be an accountant. I have no idea why. I don't know who really dreams of being that. (laughs) Um, But when I got to, so I started my finance and accounting career straight out of college, probably my last year of college, actually. And when I got to be almost 30, I realized that I was making enough money at the time to do what I wanted in my home. So I bought my I bought my home when I was very young. I was 22 when I closed. Wow. Um, I, I, actually, I take that back. 
I, it was two weeks after my 23rd birthday that I had closed. I bought my home. I was taking care of a sick parent. Um, it was my first place I never owned. I never rented. I never did anything. So a lot of my furniture was, okay, let me grab this thing from Ikea. Um, and when I got to be 30, I was like, I'm tired of looking at the Ikea furniture that I bought when I was 23. <laughs> <laughs> So I decided that I wanted to like redo things and with that process, because I'm such a researcher, I don't like to do anything without me having a plan and I've done my due diligence and I feel like I have my to-do list and like reading like House Beautiful and Living, et cetera, and Architectural Digest, I kind of fell in love with all the things I was seeing. Like, oh my God, that's so pretty. I would never thought of doing that. And that planted a seed in me that I didn't know was there. And I couldn't fight it off because I tried to. I was like, I'm not changing careers. I'm already 30. <laughs> now that I'm 40, I realize how ridiculous that sounds. <laughs> I really wanted to fight off the feeling, but I couldn't. And next thing I knew, I was launching a business and I was going back to school for an interior design degree, like a crazy person wow. I was. And I was going to school nights and weekends because I still had my full-time finance job. And I did that for, oh my God, from January 2011 was my very first class at the New York School of Interior Design. And then I left corporate in May of 2014. I was a full-time student for one semester of fall of 2014, just so I could finish my degree. And then here we are. Wow. <laughs> Six years later. <laughs> That's crazy. So how does that part of your life impact your current design life? Oh, my God. That... It's so funny. I feel like it's an accumulation of a lot of things. Um, when I was in college, my mom got sick. And, you know, she owned a home not too far from actually where I live now. And everything changed. So now my one of my brothers is now taking care of my mother. But they my brother is in South Jersey. So he's two to three hours south of me. My college is up here. My job is up here. So I'm like staying with friends. So like that one to two year period where I'm just kind of like staying with friends, bouncing on sofas, focused on the plan. Like no matter what happens, you're going to finish your college degree and you're going to buy a home because you know it's going to be harder to buy a home when you start out renting and you want to take care of your mom. So it was just like focus on the plan. And that all that time of, always feeling like I don't have a home to call my own, but like I'm living in someone else's space. Really, it just changed something in me. So even when I look back at things now, I know interior design is not a surprise because that that was that must have been the original seed. Like home is important and that should be your oasis from the rest of the world. Here's where you should come to recharge, to reset, to feel joy to leave all the bad things that might have happened outside while you were gone. And this is the opportunity for you to feel whole so you can do the rat race all over again the next day. And that's still how I approach design. Like we have to incorporate the things that you love. Design should be selfish. So we're going to incorporate the things that you love, not your neighbor, not your mother-in-law, sometimes not even your spouse. And not in the entire home, but even if you are married with a family, everyone needs a space that's their own. Sometimes that's your bedroom. 
But if you're, you know, if you're married, you really can't do that. So you, it's important for everyone to have a space. So it just made me feel like no matter where it is, you have to have a space that's your own. You have to feel complete. You you shouldn't care how anyone how anyone else feels because um, you should be the priority. So decorate for yourself, not for other people. Love it. Well, it's it's pretty clear that your focus towards goals and your work ethic is like mad strong. <laughs> and it is. I'm insane. <laughs> you stepped up to major responsibility at a very early age, and it shows very strong character. You are welcome. Um, and your portfolio has grown ever since. So I know that you just recently did um, the One Room Challenge this past spring. And I've seen the pictures, but why don't you share a bit about that? Oh, my God. So it's so funny. Um, I got asked to do the One Room Challenge for this past spring. And I took some time to decide which room I was going to do. I was like, oh, I just started working on my bedroom. But I could be overly ambitious and say I'm going to do my entire first floor. You think? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so last, um, the April of April of 2019, I had pretty significant water damage. And it started from my second floor, went through my first, and then Gosh. down into my garage. So by the time I got asked to do the one room challenge, I had already gotten rid of all my furniture. I had new floors, you know, I had walls and ceilings again, um, but I hadn't started like the design process, but I knew what my wall colors were going to be. And the paint had just been sitting in my garage for, oh my God, <laughs> too many months, I should say. <laughs> because clients always end up being the priority versus my own home. So I decided, and it's so funny that we're having this conversation because the person I asked was Kayanda, who I teamed up to do um, the trans space and I called her was like look it's top secret but I'm doing the one room challenge and I cannot decide what I want to do so I gave her my options I could just continue my bedroom because I had only just just started or I could tackle my entire first floor or I could do my office or I could do my full bath what do you think and she was just like you should just do the entire first floor. And I was like, but why? <laughs> <laughs> she was like, if that's the if that's the space where you're introducing everyone to your home and it's just been sitting like this since the water damage, just do it. So I did it. So I did my open concept, living room, dining room, kitchen, my adjacent powder room, and then my adjacent stairwell and entry. Cause I live in a townhome, so I, I share a hallway. And then you can enter in either into our homes or into our garages. So I did that whole area and then leading up to my first floor. I'm insane. Let me, let me say that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot to conquer. And then, you know, then COVID started and it was just like, how are you going to do all these things? Beth? Oh my God. <laughs> well, it's pretty clear that you don't take small bites. <laughs> I don't. And sometimes I hate that about myself. Like, why do you have to do the absolute most? Oh, I love it. <laughs> Listen, I also love your signature style. It's modern and eclectic. It's got luxurious finishes and custom furnishings. And I know that for you, design sparks conversation. 
So tell us, you've already shared a little bit, but expand on this for us. Share what that conversation is. When someone walks into my home, I want them to feel inspired. I want them to feel excited. I want them to feel rejuvenated. I want them to say, oh my God, where did you get that? I want them to feel like that that they've entered my version of an oasis. And I've always called my home my own cultural oasis. And that's how I want people to feel. I want them to feel like they got transported somewhere else. Considered best little heaven. (laughs) So for me, it's always about, it's always about like the color and the pattern and the art. And what I really wanted to do for- Oh, the art, Beth, the art. (laughs) (laughs) It's so dreamy. (laughs) Thank you. And you know what? I feel feel like I'm much more talented at art curation- Really? And execution than I am at like tabletop. Interesting. It almost makes me feel like I need to practice more for tabletop because art just comes so natural for me, like- this is it. This is how we'll look with this other piece. Oh my God, I'm going to make this other piece six inches smaller and I'm going to have incorporate these colors. And then the other side, I'm going to do this sculpture. And then on top of that sculpture to the upper right, I'm going to do a shield. I'm going to do a mask or I'm going to do a piece of tapestry. Like I can always envision it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm always so inspired by it. So I wanted this go around, um, I wanted my home to almost feel like a gallery. So before One Room Challenge, my my entire um, first floor was, my walls were navy blue. So I wanted to go from very dark to very light. I wanted much lighter walls. So when I hung the art, it would be more pronounced. I wanted you, I wanted the colors to jump out more. I wanted you to see the details of the frame. I I wanted you to want to walk up to the artwork and touch it or feel it without getting fingerprints on my glasses um, <laughs> and, and just absorb um, absorb everything and that oh my god I just love art so much so thank you <laughs> it shows have have you always had so much conviction did 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 your style evolve or were, were you always just in this mass of color and texture and, and, and energy? Oh my God, definitely not. Really? It's, it's funny because, and I was thinking about this earlier today, I've changed so much as a person and as a designer. I used to be so shy and so quiet and never wanted to, here's a, here's a really good example. Now I have absolutely no hair. I love my hair short. I will, you know, shave a design on the side um, because it makes me feel free and expressive. But I remember when I was in high school, I had very, very, very long hair and I never wanted to wear it out because I didn't want to draw attention to myself. And I didn't want to be perceived like, oh, she thinks she's cute. But as I got older and more like comfortable in my own skin, then my hair got shorter or I wore it out. And then I got away from like the beige and beige is something that I just hate now. Got away from like everything all beige to no, we're going to go very bold with the color and the style. So I think as I've aged and gotten to know who I am, I think you see that in my design. Absolutely. So, so then how, how would you describe your brand? 
Oh, I would describe my brand as eclectic. I'm hands down a maximalist, fun, bold, exciting. Those are good words. Thank you. (laughs) Good words. Um, You know, you also have some very strong relationships with a couple of important affiliations that we need to highlight. We've got the Black Artist Designers Guild, Black Interior Design Network, the House Beautiful Advisory Council, and you are on the New York School of Interior Design Task Force on Diversity. You have a really important voice and needed voice in the design community, especially as a Black woman. As one of the founding members of the Black Artist Designers Guild, educate us on the great importance of this association. One of the many, I should say one of the many important aspects of the Black Artists and Designers Guild, affectionately known as BADGE, is that it has become, and one of its goals was to be a community for any Black creative, whether you're a designer, a textile maker, um, a ceramicist, an architect, that you have a community that supports you, that values you, even though our industry does not do that. And I'm going to say the entire industry because we see it everywhere within and outside of. And lack of representation. Yes, a lack of representation and a lot of it boils down to a lack of respect. I think we all experience all these horror stories. So you have this organization who said, we're not going to wait for the industry to acknowledge you. We're going to acknowledge you. We're going to create our own community. We are going to take the best of the best who understand the value of what they do that take that takes their craft seriously, that stay on top of education, that tries to be the best within their field. And we are going to create this group of people that can stand together and enact change within our industry. And I have learned so much being a part of this organization and the founder who's Melanie Barnett I learned a lot from her. I probably need to tell her that more often, but she, I love people who challenge my thinking and I'm always learning something. And I really appreciate and respect her for that. She is, a, she's an amazing creative, but she is a smart cookie. Yeah. I think we all need to be a little more challenged these days. So the conversation right. <laughs> for sure. So this all sounds really interesting. And I'm sure that we'd like to hear more about the Black Artist Designers Guild. Can you share some more with us? So Badge does, oh my God, so many things. So there's an online directory. When you go to their website, you can find a Black designer, an architect, um, you know, the the ceramicist, the, the artist. And they do a lot of like special project collaborations. They've done a lot of, of exhibitions. As you mentioned, it was what Kayanda and I did for that Transcend Space was for the Black Artists and Designers Guild. And it's really about making connections with with media. And they've been great at promoting the excellence of their members. I've had so many amazing opportunities come out of my affiliation with them. And they're, one of their major goals is to provide opportunities to showcase your work and who you are. And they do... Well, (laughs) pre-COVID, they do a lot of events. There's always like speaking engagements. There are dinners. And one of the things that they're working on now, which I'm so incredibly 
excited about, which is the Obsidian Project. And that is a virtual show house that will be launching, I believe, in December or January. And I'm not participating just because I didn't have the bandwidth, but I have so much jealousy right now, almost wishing that I would have done it um, because I'm just so inspired by what everyone is working on. So Badge has many ways that you can support their mission as well. You can support to their overall mission, which is called their mission fund. And that is just their what their day-to-day objectives are. There's also their education fund where they provide scholarships for undergraduate and graduate students. There's a visionaries grant and that's for working designers and artists. And that can be used towards residencies or even creative development. And then they have something called the Legacy Maker Fellowship, and that's individual grants for working artists and designers. And that's to be used for research on Black cultural design. And you can also even donate directly to the Obsidian House. So there is a lot. They offer a lot and they give a lot. So they are an amazing organization. It sounds it. It sounds far more intricate than I actually realized. So um, we can all look at the website at badguild.info. There's also, um, I just want to delve a little bit into the House Beautiful Advisory Council, and that launched in September. Okay. Um, and I'm just getting my foothold in that, and that's really, really exciting. And there's also my alma mater, which is New York School of Interior Design. They have also launched a, a task force, and that's diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that's going to be... Um, a year-long project of a group of alumni and other professionals that come together on a smaller scale. I think there may be about 10 to 15 of us that meet a couple of times a month. And that is to figure out for NYSID, how can we create a more inclusive culture? Because I had an amazing experience at NYSID, but there was very few people that looked like me. So they're aware that there is a diversity problem, but that diversity problem is also part of a bigger problem because there are not a lot of Black designers. There are not a lot of designers that are of color. So what we're trying to to help figure out is how do we change that moving forward and how do we change the narrative what do we need to offer to current and prospective students so we can diversify our industry because they you start off as a student well for a lot of us you start off as a student you, you enter into our overall industry but what is that supposed to look like if nothing changes so there's a lot of work to do um but it's an amazing team so I'm really really excited about it wonderful Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you. How has um, how has your tenure as a founding member impacted your vision? Has it had any impact on the way you design? On the way, I would say I would separate it kind of into two pieces. It has not impacted my aesthetic um, because I've always been unapologetically Black in how I represent my interiors. Um, Because I like to infuse culture. And for me as a Black woman or for my Black clients, I want to infuse that culture. The other aspect is how I approach my design has really opened my mind a bit because I'm getting to learn so much. So I'm seeing vendors I had never heard of. I'm seeing 
the way another creative approached a project. I'm seeing the way an architect approaches something. So I'm getting all of this information from in different places, whether it be the creative or the business side of design. And I'm always, always, always left feeling very inspired and wanting to just do better, like constantly saying, Beth, you got to up your game because there's there's so much room for growth. Like where I am as a designer now is so different from the girl from 10 years ago. So I can't wait to see the Beth in 10 years because she's going to know so much more. And I just can't wait to become that person. Oh, I mean, it makes perfect sense. We don't want to stay stagnant. We, we need to keep evolving. Absolutely. Life changing around us and we need to evolve with that. So um, I think it's wonderful to, to be surrounded by so many creative people. It, it, I know it always inspires me. It makes me more creative. Yes. And I feel like that's how everyone should, should feel. So I just, I agree. I'm so thankful that she created the organization. Um, and I'm just humbled to be a founding member. Oh. Okay. Well, let's switch gears a bit. We keep hearing about the new normal and that the pandemic is changing our lives and the future of interior design. So we're all spending far more time in our homes and we're looking at masses of people from corporate America who are now setting up home offices. So I'm going to take advantage of our one-on-one conversation here, and I'm going to ask if you can share some advice or recommendations on what we can do to go about creating our own functional workspace. I would say for your own functional workspace, you have to make yourself a list. And when I say you have to make yourself a list, you have to figure, you have to write yourself a list of, here are all the things that I do all the time, and here's the things I need to make those things easier. Do you not have enough storage? Are you always trying to find something to write with? Do you, like for for me, I have my desktop, I have my laptop, I have my phone. They all have their space and I'm very much planning on an iPad. And I need space for all those things. So you also have to figure out what do you need to work the most efficiently and make that list and figure out, okay, well, here are here are my functional things. Do I need a bigger desk? Do I need a more comfortable chair? Do I need a stand sit desk? Do I need something simple like a pen and pencil holder? Okay, then go in the kitchen and grab yourself an oversized mug. Now you have your pen and pencil holder. There are, are all those things. And then don't forget the things that you want in your workspace that make you feel good. You need art. You need some color. Like is there, um, you know, a picture of your dog on your desk? You know, is it, is it, is it your mom? Is it your kids? Whatever. So you, you also have to make sure you incorporate after you incorporate those functional things, you have to incorporate things that make you feel happy and calm if you're going to be sitting at a desk in your home for eight plus hours a day. So I have just gotten that I got half of that done. and Now I need to do the other <laughs> half and I will circle back with you and let you know how I did. Oh, I can't wait to hear. <laughs> So I've also been reading about design trends for 2021 that's been driven by the pandemic. Um, So I'm hearing about the following things, and I I just want to hear your thoughts on them. Technology and interior design, smart houses. What do you think? I'm such a huge fan. I feel like, and that was even a bandwagon for my own home that I jumped on very late. I, for instance, don't know how I would survive without Alexa without my keyless entry, without my Apple TV. There are all these, there are all these things that just makes life so much easier. 
Um, and I think that's what we should all be trying to do. Life gives us enough challenges. Try to find, try to find those shortcuts. <laughs> Good. I even got like a, like a smart vacuum and I had no idea how much I needed it until I got it. I don't even think I know what a smart vacuum is. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like a Roomba, but I have a need. Okay. <laughs> okay, I've seen the videos of the animals on the the thing going all around the house. I can do my right. own YouTube videos. Like, <laughs> right, and for I'm like a super duper neat freak. I don't allow shoes in my house. I I never have, but I didn't realize how much time that thing has been saving me. So oh. I I was working on Sunday, and I could just hear it going around downstairs. I was like. I love you, Ginger. That's it made you happy. <laughs> it made me happy. Like now it's one less thing for me to have to do. Good. Okay. What about healthier spaces like hygiene and sanitization? Oh, so that's the mix because I feel like if people are just now addressing that, it's like, what were you doing before? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would say for me, nothing has really changed because I always had my cleaning schedule. I never allowed shoes. I always like, you know, Cloroxed everything, Swiffered my floors. So for me, that hasn't changed. But I do realize for a lot of people that it has had to change. Um, because, you know, pre-COVID, if you were a kid, you know, ran out and came back in the house, it wasn't a huge deal. But now it's like, no, now you got to take off your mask, take off your shoes. There was a point where you couldn't come back in the house without taking off your clothes and throwing them in the laundry. So with those situations, like if you don't have a washer dryer, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but I have a smart washer and dryer and I love that thing. <laughs> and it, it, it's a, that's a, that's a, that's a time saver um, as well. I don't think, but I have a lot of smart appliances. Now. I'm hearing that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think your house like, is a smart house. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that, and, and it's funny because even with the people who didn't take off their shoes before and they do now, where do those shoes go? Like, where's your storage for that? Um, so for me now, like when I redid the hallway, I put um, two oversized baskets, one for me and for my neighbor, and then I just put my shoes in there. If I have guests, I'm like, you don't have to leave your shoes strewn about. Just put them in the basket. So it's like all those little things. So storage, storage, storage. Storage, storage. You've mentioned a little bit of this before, but sanctuary spaces. Oh, my God. That's a must-have. Um, and even if you don't have a room or an area that you can dedicate in your home, you can, you can create yourself a nook. Like, for instance, I ordered a meditation pillow because now I want to just add that into my bedroom, literally in front of my nightstand on my side of the bed in an effort to say that when you get out of bed in the morning, you are you don't have to hit the ground running. You can take some time either when you first wake up or before you go to bed to just kind of enjoy a moment of calm. So now I'm anxiously waiting for my meditation pillow. Uh, and that's like my little sanctuary space in my bedroom. But on the other side of my bedroom, I also have a different version of a sanctuary space. It's like my chair with my ottoman, with my tasseled sconces behind me, where I just sometimes just want to just sit and like watch TV and kick my feet up 
Um, so there's always those little areas. And my bar cart that's in my, that's in my living room and dining room, that's also my sanctuary. So if I'm having a rough day, best believe I am pouring a little bit of bourbon. Well, I have one of those, I'm happy to say. <laughs> Good. We all need one. We do. What are your thoughts on vertical and indoor gardening? I love the idea. I do not have a green thumb. I can pretty much kill anything. Um, I've definitely killed a couple of cactuses in my heyday. Um, I think for those who put in the time and effort, I think it's beautiful. And I think it's really important to bring nature inside, especially, we all know like what happens to people like during the cold winter months when we're stuck inside. So I think it's important to bring some of that good organic energy inside. So kudos to those who are actually doing it. I'm trying. Absolutely. Um, and I think I know your feeling on this, but I'm going to ask you anyway, sustainable design and working with local artisans. Oh, I love that. So I think it's important to support your local artist. And sometimes, and artists being that it doesn't have to be like the traditional painter. Sometimes it's your furniture maker. Sometimes it's your, who I call my cabinet ladies. I get my kitchen cabinet from. It's all those things. I think one of the biggest lessons that we've kind of gone through in 2020 is how many small businesses were impacted by the pandemic. And that should have been everyone's wake up call. Like you have to be very cognizant of who you need to support locally because there were so many businesses that went out of business. We just need to be throwing a lot more dollars behind them because as we've seen, that really (laughs) not everyone had the opportunity to have that backing. Absolutely. So this is how current events are showing their impact and their impressions on our world right now. How are you looking into the future? What's what's your vision? Oh, wow. Short term. Rest would be the most exciting thing I would like for the future. Um, Time to actually sleep and reset and read when it comes to long term. I really, really miss travel. Because that's where I get a lot of my inspiration from. So for me, all I can, all I really, really want to do is travel, read, eat out, because I hate to cook, um, (laughs) and surround myself with my community. And it's so funny because I realized like, oh my God, there's not going to be, there's probably not going to be a bad Christmas party. So I'm only going to see you guys on Zoom. And it's all those things like having like intimate conversations with other people, not visually. It's something that I'm also (laughs) really, really looking forward to. And it's, I don't know, I'm also really interested to see what other technology or aha moments come out of what the pandemic has brought. Because we've seen a lot of creativity. I'm really interested to see what will continue um, and who will be inspired. (laughs) It's it's not yeah. over. So I think that would be really, really interesting. But that's the that's the technical brain part of me that like, ooh, I wonder what new processes there will be. What new technology was will there be? Yeah, my my thoughts have gone there too. Obviously working for New York now and being part of a trade show, wondering who are the new exhibitors and vendors that we're gonna see because there's gonna be more creativity that comes from this. And it's because right. we are pushing ourselves and we are thinking forward. And everything is changing. We 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 will still experience what we know. Um, right. we still have a, a foundation, but just like we said before, 
everything always changes and this is the change for us right now. What, what comes from it? Right. Absolutely. And I feel like we've, we've seen it in very random things. Like who knew that reusing fabric to make masks would be a thing. Yep. And a thing that's been saving businesses too. Right, right. And God knows how many lives that it has saved when they're, you know, when I remember the hospitals ran out of masks, it's like. Absolutely. (laughs) There are all these situations. So there's, there's so much that has happened and there's so much that I'm not even aware of yet that has me very, very curious. Yeah. So can you share maybe what you're up to? Do you have some interesting projects looming that you can tease us with maybe? Um, so yesterday I officially launched my partnership with Home Goods, which was really exciting because hey, that's big news. <laughs> that's really yes. big news. Thank you, thank you. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. You know, I I kind of announced it yesterday that I shared it on my personal Facebook page, and I was very tickled by one of the comments, and it was from an ex actually. And he said, oh, my God, this place is like your second home. You made me go there pretty much every weekend with a bottle. of." He would have a bottle of Pepsi, and that's all he needed. And then he would let me run around. <laughs> like, I was, how do you put a kid in a candy store? And I was like, oh, my God, I, I did kidnap you every weekend. That was great. Um, so it's, I'm really, really excited because I just have always loved the brand. So stay tuned there's going to be some some fun things coming out of this partnership absolutely Um, well listen anytime you want to make an announcement with us at new york now we're ready for you okay oh thank you thank you (laughs) that's awesome thank you everything else is really about um clients so i have a, a new project that i'm working on that i'm going to try not to share on social media um, because the goal will be that this is going to be, you know, my focus will be to have it published. So I'm going to try not to share sneak peeks, which mm-hmm. is hard for me. So we'll see how this pans out. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think it says something that you have work. I think it says something that people are working on their homes and that, and that th- this is um, something that is going to continue for all of us. You know, a lot has come out of the pandemic as what we mentioned before. We can see certain categories that are getting stronger. We can see people shifting their their business models to align with what a current trend is. And and I think it's, even in a pandemic, it's kind of wonderful that we still want to make a beautiful home and we need help doing it, you know? Some of the words that you have used throughout this conversation, which I love that you have, I think this is your own coined phrase, cultural oasis. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. You know what? Maybe back in 20, oh my God, this might have been in 2017 or 2018, um, definitely long before One Room Challenge, I filmed an episode of Open House NYC that uh, that comes on NBC on, on the weekends. Um, the new episodes are always on Sunday mornings. And I recorded the show. And when I went, when it premiered and I watched it, I, that's what I called my home, a cultural oasis. A couple of my girlfriends picked up one and were texting me like, oh my God, that's my new favorite term. I was like, me too. It's great. <laughs> I mean, I, I wrote down some other words like inspired and rejuvenated and feel complete and feel joy. But there is something about cultural oasis that <laughs> I'm going to aspire to in my own, um, I'm an apartment dweller. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do it, do it, do it. I think it's so important that regardless of where someone is from, that it reflects who they are, their heritage, and the things that they love. And sometimes the things that you love are the appreciation that you see um, in other cultures. Like I have, I have a tea towel framed from a, a trip to Bermuda, and I just absolutely loved it because it depicted a moment in time in Bermuda. It was like this woman um, walking along the dock, and then you see like all these boats behind her and people working. And it's always one of my 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 favorite pieces. And I always remember it always reminds me like you need to travel more. You have more stuff to buy. I know. <laughs> we all got to travel a little bit more, right? We had to wait <laughs> to become something again. Oh, Beth, you've shared so much with us. Have I left anything out? Is there anything that you want to make sure that we know? I would just leave you with, don't forget that your home should be one of your top priorities. And don't forget how you felt when the pandemic hit. So many people realized, I don't really like my house. So it's time to fix that because you don't know, you don't know, you don't know what's can happen. So prepare and getting your home ready for long stays should be should be a top priority. And find the things that make you happy. Find the things that you love and focus on those things. Good words. How do we get in touch with you? I am everywhere um, at Beth Diana Smith um, on Instagram, where I'm probably most active on social media at Beth Diana Smith. And you can if you go to my website, www.bestdayinasmith.com, you can see all the ways to find me. Love it. So I just want to end with, I find it really ironic that someone who once had no home and who was a nomad and living <laughs> on your friend's floor, uh, you're now this amazingly talented interior designer and your main focus is to make beautiful living spaces. So there's something oh, very... Um, there's, there's a lot of synergy there. That's, that feels really good. Thank you. The irony of life. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, congratulations to you. And, and thank you so much for talking with us. Um, you are an incredibly interesting, talented, educated, smart, wonderful, beautiful woman. And I look forward to deepening our friendship. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I blush. Thank you so much. I had such an amazing time talking with you. Thank you for listening to the New York Now podcast. Make sure to tune in weekly for engaging and insightful conversations, touching on the most relevant topics facing our community today. Visit NewYorkNow.com to learn more about our market and how you can join in on the conversation.